Hey, welcome home to Cassidy. My name is Stephen Mitchell, and it is a great joy to be here with you to be able to celebrate what God continues to do in and through us, God's church, that we are able to be a part of what God is doing, that we're not waiting for a movement from God, but we're living in a movement from God because God is here right now working on this world to make it more and more like the kingdom he desires, working on our hearts to make them more and more into the the hearts he desires so that we can be the people that he desires for us to be. Uh, We've been uh, talking about a a sermon series called, a message series, a worship series called Reset, where we're talking about resetting our lives on Jesus Christ. And so if you're new here, I just want to say you're welcome. Uh, We're encouraged that you are with us. We are glad that you have chosen to spend a bit of your day here with us. And we hope that you will grow in relationship with God and in relationship with us. And and together we can journey toward Christ so that we can be made more and more in the likeness of Christ, so that we can be reset into his image, so that we can be reset in our lives and in all the ways that we live out our lives so that we can pursue God with everything we are. My hope is that, that you will, uh, if you are new here, that you'll go back and, and just take a look at the, the first three weeks of Reset because they're awesome. I've had a great time doing this. Uh, we started out by talking about we need to reset our focus. We need to focus on God so that we can, we can be, uh, have Him be the center and, and move toward that thing that we focus on. Then we talked about we need to reset our, uh, our faith, that our faith is what, what really drives us in that direction. And so how, what is our faith all about? What is, what is it we believe? Who are we when we say we're Christian? Uh, and then last week, we reset our direction so that because we understand our focus and our faith, now we can have a new direction. And this week, this week we're going to reset our desire. Uh, a lot of times when I say that word, we think of romance or romantic ideas. But honestly, uh, if you desire something, you, you want that, and you're willing to go the extra mile for it. You're willing and you're able sometimes to, to pursue that uh, to the extent that you will give everything you have in order to obtain it. If it's something that you truly, if, if it's your heart's desire. I know for me recently, uh, most of you know that I really, I, I, I want a truck, but recently I've been enamored. I, I've, I have a, a new desire, and, and that is the, the new Chevy Blazer. Uh, the 2022 Chevy Blazer just looks really cool. Um, I love the way it looks, and now I notice it everywhere I go uh, because it is one of my desires. Now, I don't desire it enough to actually go get one. I just desire it enough to say, oh, I probably would look cool in a Chevy Blazer. Now, I realize I probably wouldn't look cool. It's just my mind's eye. It's good. Uh, But my hope is that we can reset some of that, that we can reset our desires onto God instead of Uh, on the things of this world, so that we can reset our desires together, uh, so that we can pursue God with everything we are. 
Uh, my, my, we've been talking about this through video games, uh, and so I, I wanted to share one. Uh, my daughter played uh, a game called Jurassic World, Jurassic Park. Um, the whole idea of Jurassic World, Jurassic Park is it happens after Jurassic Park happened. Now, if you're not sure what Jurassic Park is about, uh, first, it happened a long time ago in a movie, but I'll, I'll share it with you. It's a movie by uh, Mr. Spielberg, and he r- took a book that was written by Michael Crichton about dinosaurs being cloned from DNA and mosquitoes. Anyway, it's a long story. Uh, but the dinosaurs eventually ate the people and things were bad. Uh, so Jurassic Park, uh, Jurassic World, Jurassic Park takes place after that, where you have been given control of one of these islands uh, where you go in and you have to tear everything down in order to build it back up so that you can have clients come in so that people can see the dinosaurs and you can be productive. You can be lucrative and, and make money for the island. That's, that's the idea. It's kind of like a zoo tycoon, if you know what that is, where you're just trying to uh, make, make money by putting things out where people can see them. And so the, the thought for me, though, was that they had to go in and tear everything down in order to build it back up. They couldn't leave any of the things intact. They have to tear everything down in order to do that. And in order to fix something, to really fix something, sometimes we have to tear it down so that it can be restored. I mean, think about it. We have restoration of cars. My grandfather was a Model A. He, he was a Model A nut, and he would take a, a brand, uh, get a Model A from somebody that had been sitting in a field somewhere, and he would take it down to the frame and clean everything up and, and get it all cleaned up, put an engine in it, and rebuild it from the ground up because it had been torn apart. Uh, software companies do this all the time. You probably, maybe you didn't know this, but uh, this is one of the reasons why things move when there's a new version of Office or Word or something like that, because you're like, hey, this used to be in this location and now it's over here. Why? And that's because they tear it down to the bare base minimum code before they rebuild it. Uh, we see this in medicine where you have uh, medicines that, that actually are harmful to you, chemotherapy and radiation, things that are harmful to you so that they can get at the root of the problem, the cancer that, that is needing to be dealt with. We see it in road work and road construction where sometimes the patches just won't do anymore. And they come through and they repave, they take the road all the way down and then they recreate it. And so sometimes... In order to do something right, you have to tear it down and start again. The the Christian faith is built on this. We we talk about resurrection. In order to have resurrection, there has to be death. And so when we think about this, this should be something that that is, is common sense to us because we see it in the world around us, but we also see it in Jesus. Jesus worked to reset the understanding of the people around him on what it meant for him to be Messiah. Jesus worked to correct their understanding of that because they had a flawed understanding. They they believed 
Jesus would come in, or the Messiah would come in, and he would be geopolitical power, that he would come in and conquer Rome and take Israel back from the Romans and be a powerhouse and sit on David's throne uh, in power and in might for all eternity. And while some of that is correct, because Jesus does sit on David's throne, it's not a geopolitical power. And so Jesus wanted to reset their understanding to to focus their desires correctly. And and in order to do that, he had to break some of that down. And and we see this in a couple of places uh, in Mark's gospel. I I love the story because it's one of my favorite uh, illustrations of Jesus going and just not behaving the way that we want Jesus to behave. Uh, Jesus goes into the temple with his disciples, and while he's at the temple, he, he gets there, and things aren't going the way that he wants them to be going. Here's what it says uh, in, in Mark eleven fifteen through 17. On reaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple courts and began driving out those who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves and would not allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple courts. And and as he taught them, he said, is it not written, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of of robbers. But you have made it a den of robbers. This is not the, the, the Jesus, that, the, you know, the, the nice, I, I love everybody Jesus that we tend to want to hear from. This is a Jesus who's going in and who is tearing things down in order to get the, the mindset restored. Uh, and the problem was worship and practice were broken in Israel. Uh, here's the deal. The, what Jesus is going and doing is, is, is a, uh, a, really, it's a scam. Uh, there, there are people in the temple courts, and those people would change money, and they would sell you holy animals, these animals that would be okay for you to, uh, to bring for sacrifice. But you couldn't use the money that everybody used. You had to use temple money, special money that was designed for that. So if you were bringing a financial offering, you would have to go and change the money from real money into magic temple money so that then when you gave the temple money, it was good. Now, they were <coughs> charging a premium for temple money. It wasn't a one-for-one. If it would have been a one-for-one transition, God would not have been upset about it but instead they're trying to make a profit. And then the animals, you could buy animals for, uh, for uh, one price out in town, but if you were buying a temple animal, one who had been certified by the priests as pure and unblemished, then that was going to fetch a premium because it was good going to be slaughtered. And, and then the priests would get the leftovers of the, the meat that was cooked. So it was a win-win for the priests because they're charging a premium for the animal. And, and Jesus goes in there and he's throwing tables over and saying, you guys are taking advantage of people. Worship and practice were broken in the temple. And, and, and Jesus, Jesus wants his disciples to know that, that this is a big deal. Um, that, that they're going to have to make a, a new start in this. Actually, Jesus gives an illustration that, that proves that sometimes you have to tear things down in order to build them up. Uh, as Jesus 
was leaving the temple, one of his disciples said to him, look, teacher, what massive stones, what magnificent buildings. Do you see these great buildings, replied Jesus? Not one stone here will be left on another. Everyone will be torn down. Every stone will be torn down. When I was in Jerusalem, it was amazing to me because all that's left is the foundation of the temple. When they talk about the Western Wall or the Wailing Wall in Jerusalem, it's, it's part of the foundation. And the foundation was wider than my arm span. Some of the blocks were so huge that they're, they're about half as high as me and, and just so wide. And, and those are the foundation stones. And I can imagine this picture where the disciples are like, man, Jesus, this is so amazing. I mean, these are fishermen and tax collectors from Galilee, and, and they roll into town, and they're seeing this, and they're, they're amazed by what they're seeing. And they're like, oh, wow, it's so awesome. And Jesus says, no, all of this is rubbish. It's going to be torn down because worship and practice and, and, and desire is broken. And so Jesus says, we got to reset Desire can be like that. Our desire can need to be reset. And the reason that we need to reset our desire is because if we don't, we're not doing what God wants us to. Our desire, our desires fuel our action and they give us purpose. This is, this is what we pursue and, and seek after. This is what we will pay more and more for. This is what we will offer almost anything so that we can get our heart's desire. And so for me, I love looking at scripture in order to find an illustration of what it looks like to actually live according to what Jesus says. Now, Jesus is a great example, but for some of us, we, we read what Jesus does and we're like, yeah, he was 100% man, but he was also 100% God. And I don't know how that works, but it seems a little bit like an unfair advantage. Uh, but for me, when we look at people that have encountered God in a powerful and profound way, we can see some of the change that is made in their lives. And so we can look and see what it looks like to desire God through the eyes of someone else. And, and Jesus sets the stage. He, he's been preaching and teaching in Jerusalem, and he gathers his disciples to take a break. You know, maybe he's getting a little sip of water before he goes back to teaching uh, and, and letting people know who God is and what God wants. Um, whatever the scene, Jesus takes a break. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Here's the scene. In, in the temple, you would use that magic temple money, and you would go and you would pour the money into these brass horns that would lead down into the temple. So you're able to pour the, these coins in. And if you had a lot of coins, man, it, it just made a lot of noise. I imagine it to be like Vegas when somebody hits the back jackpot that everything's going off, that there's blink, 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 blink. You know, the noises are going off. Everything's making noise. Uh, maybe there's lights and stuff in Vegas. That's not what was going on here, but it's similar because it grabs your attention when somebody puts in a large amount. And then, then the widow shows up and she goes over and puts in two small coins worth only a few cents. 
calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. Uh, They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. All she had to live on. I, I love this picture because I, I, just, I just imagine Jesus and the boys, they're, they're over there taking their break, you know, and Jesus strategically sets them up right across from where the, they put the money into the temple treasury. And all of the, the noise is happening. All of the, the, the very godly folks are bringing their buckets of money and pouring them in and making a scene of their offering to God. And then this widow comes in, and that's when Jesus gets quiet. And he calls his disciples' attention to what's about to happen. He's like, hey, guys, check this out. And you know, they're, they're having a difficult time because they're trying to tear their eyes away from the massive amounts of money people are giving to the temple to this widow that's putting in just a few cents. I mean, I probably have more money in, uh, under the seats of my car than this widow had in her whole life. And, and she's offering what she has everything. And it it made Jesus pause and Jesus calls the disciples' attention to it because he wants them to see what's going on. Hey, this woman put in everything she had, all that she had to live on. Think of the amount of trust that that takes in God. Think of the amount of faith that she has in God, that God will not only reward her for her gift, but will make a difference in her life and sustain her if she's giving all that she has to God. I love this picture because it's so different from the way that we view the world. It's so different from the way that we as Americans live in the world around us. We, we, we look at the, the minimum requirement for us to be happy and the minimum requirements that we need to live. And we have so much value in that. And it can be uh, something that drives us in the wrong direction. And yet here's this widow and Jesus notices what she's doing and calls it out. And for all time, it's a part of the good news that, that this was something that Jesus wanted the point to, be, to soak in to the disciples so that they got it. That, that her trust in God was what we need to go after, that her desire for God was what we need to embrace in our lives. I, I remember when I went to Africa, it, it really messed me up because I thought I had it all together, and then I went to Africa, and I was transformed more by my mission trip to Africa than then I transformed them. We were out there trying to, to broker abilities to put borehole wells, deep wells uh, into Africa in different locations so that we could um, build these wells in Ghana uh, and, and, and allow people to have access to fresh water. And it wasn't as easy as you think. You have to go and you have to meet with the, the tribal chief and, and he gives you permission, but he probably will want a well close to his house too. And so we would build multiple wells. And, uh, you know, it was crazy for me because when we got to Northern Ghana, I mean, people didn't live in a way that was recognizable for me. It, it was like watching nature documentaries where you see people living in these mud brick houses with thatch roofs and you're just amazed. And, and how, you know, in my mind, I was like, how do these people live like this? What does this look like? And, and I remember we had the opportunity to go to worship together. And so we, we went to one of the, the churches 
that we had helped to build. Um, we, we had offered finances, and it was built locally, and so we got to go and worship there. And it's, it's a, a tin roof, uh, mud brick building, and, and we go into the building, um, and we're there, and people come, and they showed up for worship. Uh, and it was, it was a great worship service because it's cross-cultural uh, worship, and we're, we're just enjoying the fact that we are being able to worship uh, with them. And, and then came the moment of generosity. And this blew me away because I saw how they were living. And yet when they did generosity, it wasn't like us. They didn't pass the plates. Like it was, oh, this is the time for our responsibility where you put your, uh, you know, you put your card in the plate and pass it on so that nobody can see what you're doing. No, instead they all got up. And they began singing songs of praise to God. And they were dancing as they came down the center aisle to make their offering before God. And and some of them put in a little, some of them put in much more, but nobody put in a lot. And, And they had three separate buckets. One was for the mission and ministry of their local community, of their faith community, what they were doing, how they were doing it. And the second bucket was a compassion fund so that if anybody in their faith community had a need, they could come to the church and they would give back to them. And then the third bucket, and this is the one that blew me away, was a bucket of planting new churches. They were in a mud brick building with a tin roof, no air conditioning, and it was hot, folks. Uh, and, and, and yet, they're not worried about, oh, we should get air conditioning for us. They said, no, we want to build a church for someone else. We want to, to fund that church. It, it was so powerful for me because it was such a change from what I had in mind of what the church was and how, uh, how we were good at being the church. And uh, my American mind broke a little bit on that day because it needed to be reset. And, and sometimes, sometimes reset isn't all that simple. Uh, sometimes reset isn't all easy breezy. Sometimes reset takes a lot of work and it's hard and it hurts because we are, are having to tear down things that we believed for our whole lives. But God isn't looking for a quick fix. God isn't looking to fix a small spot in us that's not quite right. God is looking to reset and restore us, to make us brand new. And so the question really is this, where is God working on you? Where is God working to break you down? Where is God working to break your heart so that he can move you in a right direction? Because the truth is we've all where, where you have built walls to keep God out, the, the question is, where have you built walls to keep God out? Where have you put things up to keep God away from certain areas of our lives? And, and if you're like me, it's so common. Maybe you've built walls around relationships. You've been hurt by somebody and you don't want to let anybody in. And that keeps you at a distance, but it also makes other people a they instead of someone that can be important to you. Uh, Or maybe it's around lust where you have built walls up because you enjoy time with with a a female coworker when you shouldn't be, or you're you're flirting with someone when you shouldn't be, and, and yet you don't want God to call that out for you. Or maybe it's in your finances 
where you just can't trust God enough. Surely I'll give everything else over to God except for my finances. I'm going to keep a wall around my finances. But the truth is this. It is only when we allow God to tear down our walls that we can be rebuilt, that we can be restored to right relationship, that we can experience resurrection in our lives right here and right now. God wants to reset and restore us. God wants to make a change within us, and and we need to give God full access. We need to allow God full access to our lives. Surrender all so that we can set God as our focus, so that we can reset our faith, so that we can reset our direction, and so that God can reset our desire. God sees us more than we can see ourselves, and He knows our potential. God knows where and what we could be. And so we need to let God reset us to be filled with desire for His kingdom and glory. And let us do that in a way that makes the world take notice so that we can be the people that God wants us to be, so that we can change uh, into the, the community that God has imagined us to be, so that we can live boldly in the world that God is sending us into, so that we can proclaim the good news of God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Gracious and almighty God, we give you thanks for the gift of Jesus Christ and the hope that we have in you and the promise of life everlasting that we receive in Jesus. But God, help us to recognize that you're not done with us yet that you love us too much to leave us where we were. And and so you work to build us up, to to restore us, to reset us, to, to help us to have that focus and that faith and that direction and that desire that you long for us to have. Father, help us to be more like Jesus. Help us to live boldly in your life and light so that we can be your hands and your feet, so that we can love people where they are, And so that we can share with them the good news that Christ has come. Christ is come. Now and forever we give you thanks. And all of us agreed and said, amen.